This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Cyclone Alert, Cyclone Scoop podcast. Michael Swain here, the Iowa State beat writer for 24-7 Sports. And we are in the midst of Iowa State's preseason camp. We're about two weeks away from the start of Iowa State's 2021 football season. And we've been really camp heavy over the last two, three weeks, focusing a lot on the Iowa State football team as they ramp up for the most anticipated season in program history. So I thought we'd change things up this week. We'll focus on recruiting. We focused on fall camp last week. We'll hit on camp again next week. And I wanted to take today's podcast just to focus on the recruiting trail. It was a busy summer for Iowa State in terms of putting together its 2022 class, uh, but they also got a head start on the class of 2023 with some of their camps that they had in June. We talked individually about some of the camps earlier this summer, but we'll talk specifically about kind of how Iowa State's 2022 class came together and then look ahead to kind of the class of 2023, especially with the in-state recruits. But starting off, I mean, Iowa State's 2022 class as it stands right now is on track to be its best recruiting class in program history. Um, For context, Iowa State has not had a top 40 recruiting class under Matt Campbell, and they've only had one top 40 recruiting class since the start of the 2000s. So Iowa State's in unprecedented waters right now as it sits with the number 27 ranked class nationally in the class of 2022 as of Friday, August 20th. And they've got the number four ranked class in the Big 12. And then the all-important average commit rating right now sits at an 86.17. In terms of the overall quality of the class, you can look at that average commit rating and compare it to years past. You know, last year's was an 84.9, so a little bit under an 85. And it's been around kind of that 85 number uh, the last few cycles. But Iowa State's overall talent in this class has taken a step up in terms of the rankings that they have at the moment. And of course, things will change over the next few months as a lot of these guys play their senior seasons and the rankings council is able to get more tape and get more information on some of these recruits. So I would expect some of their ratings to go up, but we'll talk about some of those specifics as we kind of take a deeper dive into this class. But I think if we're going to talk about how things came together. Um, I think you really got to look at that June 4th, 5th, and 6th official visit weekend that Iowa State had. It was the first official visit weekend Iowa State could have in over a year. They really kind of took a a broader approach to it, I would say, in terms of the prospects that they got on campus for that weekend. In total, you had Iowa State's four spring commitments, um, a quarterback, Rocco Becht, and then three linebackers, Will McLaughlin, Carson Willich, Jacob Imming were also on campus. And then in addition to them, Iowa State brought in 12 uncommitted prospects um, in the class of 2022 for that weekend. And you specifically look at some of the names that were there for that first weekend. It's Greg Gaines, a four-star wide receiver who's now committed to Iowa State. It's Jason Essex, a high three-star recruit that is now committed. R. Mason Thomas is a high three-star. Akene Azogu, Xavier Townsend, Jeremiah Cooper. Then the list goes on and on. The majority 
of Iowa State's commits in the class right now were on campus for that first weekend. And what they did was, you know, they had time to spend together as a kind of collective group. They went paintballing on that Saturday of that weekend as like a team bonding event. Um, They got to spend time with their individual player hosts as well. And so in general, you kind of got more of a collective feel than maybe some of the official visits where it's just one or two guys coming in for an official visit weekend. It very much talking to some of the recruits now, uh, it sounded like it was much more of a family atmosphere around it where everything was more together, um, not individualized. And so I do think that that contributed to making a lot of these guys feel comfortable with each other. So you look at overall, right, the 12 uncommitted prospects that were on campus for that weekend, Iowa State landed eight commitments from those 12. So you're looking at a 66% hit rate there, um, which I think is positive for any visit weekend that you're going to have, and especially so when you have such a high volume of recruits on campus for that weekend. Now, in terms of the four that went elsewhere, um, it's not necessarily, you got to look at each situation because at face value, you could say, oh, well, they lost out on four guys, but I'd make an argument. I think that it's more like Iowa State lost out on two, and then there were two maybe that were already headed different directions that Iowa State had on campus. Um, the two that Iowa State I would consider probably lost out on, uh, Caleb Johnson is one, a running back that Iowa State was the first offer for. They offered him uh, well over a year ago. They had really built a strong relationship with Johnson, but he likes to commit to Cal after taking an official visit to that program. And it sounds like that official visit was really what turned the tide for Johnson and he committed while he was on campus in Berkeley. Uh, And then the second one would be Trayvon Howard. He's a safety out of Minnesota. He's one that Iowa State, again, was a really early offer on. And they recruited him hard. Of course, DK McDonald, the old safeties coach, started building that relationship. Dion Broomfield, the new safeties coach, took over. But again, that's another one where the visit for him to Northwestern really kind of wooed him, even though, you know, more of a longstanding relationship with the Iowa State coaching staff because Northwestern came in and offered him, you know, earlier in the spring. But Um, Those two are the ones that I would consider Iowa State lost out on. And then the two others, Tucker Holloway and Micah Riley Ducker. Holloway is now committed to Virginia Tech. He had crystal ball picks to Virginia Tech going back to early June. I do think he uh, tossed around the idea of maybe looking at Iowa State, but I think he had some family. There's some family connections there and some other things that were pulling him to be closer to home at Virginia Tech. And then Micah Riley Ducker, I would never consider him Iowa State lean. He ends up at Auburn. But as for the other guys that did end up committing to Iowa State, I mean, Dalen Hazard, I think, was one of the first ones that kind of got the ball rolling for Iowa State. He's one that Iowa State, again, was an early offer on. And that's been a really a common theme among a lot of these guys that Iowa State was able to pull in is the fact that they were in early on a lot of these guys, whether it be the first Power 5 offer, an offer that comes in. Um, well over a year ago, you know, they had time to build really good relationships with a lot of these guys, despite the fact that most of them couldn't take visits or all of them couldn't take visits until June of this year. So I think the Iowa State staff did a really good job of building relationships with these guys and getting them on board in the class. Now, outside of that first official visit weekend, Iowa State kind of ran it back the next weekend. And that second weekend had some more of the tertiary targets, some of the secondary guys that Iowa State had their eye on. Um, But then five or six of kind of the guys that are now committed were there that second weekend of June as well. You're looking at Gabe Burkle, an in-state tight end, Kieran Adams, a wide receiver out of Arizona, a really intriguing prospect for Iowa State, someone that'll probably play the slot position. His position at Iowa State has been compared to Trevor Ryan 
Um, so more of a versatile kind of slot receiver, someone that can kind of just make plays. And then you've got Andrew Keller was on campus that weekend. We'll talk a little about his recruitment here in a second in particular. Um, and then Hunter Deo, a four-star defensive tackle out of Council Bluffs, was there on campus for that weekend. Deo remains Iowa State's highest rated recruit in the 24-7 sports composite. He has an over 90 rating and is a four-star defensive lineman. And then, of course, Avery Henry is another one that I will talk about, too, in just a second, because I think he has a very fascinating story as well. And then, of course, Tyler Perkins, Iowa State's punter commit, was there on campus for that visit as well. So hitting on some of these in particular from the second weekend, let's start with Andrew Keller, because Iowa State was one that tracked him last fall. They started reaching out to him last September when the contact period began. He didn't play a fall season. He played one of the seasons that was in the spring. They played a few games. And then as soon as his season ended, Iowa State's tight ends coach, Taylor Mauser, reached out. And you know a few days after he reached out again, uh, they extended an offer. And so Iowa State offered before the likes of Michigan State, Texas, Iowa, And so this was a race that came down to Iowa State and Iowa. Those are the two programs he took official visits to. And for Keller, it's he picked Iowa State. And the relationship with the coaching staff was a big deal there. And I think the official visit was also something that was important for him. Of course, getting to see coaches in person, you get a feel for the culture, get a feel for what it's like to be a cyclone and around a lot of the players. So I think that that was a big deal for him. He ends up pulling the trigger on a commitment on the 4th of July. And then moving kind of down the list, I think Avery Henry is someone that is currently underrated just in terms of his 24-7 sports composite rating. Right now, he's at an 84. Our recruiting staff has him as an 86. Um, But he's someone that I think has a really fascinating story and is someone that I think fits the mold for what Matt Campbell and Iowa State looks for in terms of just prospects in general. This time last year, Avery Henry weighed about 355 pounds and this is something that I got to tell his story on cyclonealert.com where, you know, we hear Matt Campbell talk all the time about becoming the best version of yourself that you can be. And Avery Henry used that phrase to me in an interview I had with him where he said he felt like he couldn't be the best that he could be at 355 pounds. So over the course of nine months, he dedicated himself to nutrition, to working out consistently, and he dropped 50 pounds to where he is now a six foot six, 305 pound offensive tackle, but he looks absolutely jacked. There was a photo that came out on Twitter earlier this week that if you go to my Twitter account at mswain247, you will see that Avery Henry is a very, very ripped six foot six, 300 pound guy. He looks massive. So he's someone that is starting his senior season at St. Clairsville in Ohio this, you know, in the coming weeks. And he's someone that I believe will probably get a, a ratings bump from other recruiting services as well as it wouldn't surprise me if he gets another bump from us at 24 seven sports at some point during his senior season, just because everything I've heard from him um, in terms of reviews as a player has been just nothing but great. So he's one that I think you should keep an eye on in terms of other prospects. He did visit West Virginia. He has family ties to the West Virginia program. His grandfather played there. So West Virginia is some a program to watch here in terms of him being on a flip, but I don't see that happening with the way things are trending right now. Now, outside of that, I think that you know you look at up and down the class, and I think there may be some common themes that you can find among these commitments. 
a lot of them, you know, I mentioned earlier, Iowa State was an early offer for, and that relationship building process has been really important for Iowa State. And I think that that's where that staff continuity comes into play. And staff continuity is something I wrote about earlier this week on CycloneAlert.com, where you look up and down the staff and there hasn't been that much attrition. And even if there has been attrition, you look at the people that Matt Campbell has tabbed to come in. You look at Taylor Mauser, the tight ends coach. He had been with Campbell dating back to his days at Toledo. You look at Dion Broomfield, even though Broomfield didn't get coached by Campbell or his staff, he was still around the program for a few years, a few years back. So there's already a pre-existing relationship between Broomfield and some of the Campbell staff members. So you look up and down the staff and there's continuity and they're not afraid to take a kind of a bigger approach to some of these recruitments where, you know, you take Greg Gaines, for example, where Nate Shieldhouse, the wide receivers coach was probably you could consider the primary recruiter for Gaines, but Tyson Vite, who has really good connections in the Tampa Bay area was also in contact with Gaines and those around Gaines. Then Tom Manning and Matt Campbell were also two coaches that were very involved in the recruiting process for Gaines as well. So in total, you have four staff members that are kind of all pulling in the same direction to get a kid to commit to Iowa State to where he feels comfortable with it. And so I think that that's been a common theme is that you see Iowa State get in early on these guys and then have multiple coaches in contact where they it's not just a one-on-one relationship with a player and a coach. The, the player can get to know you know more of the staff members. They get to know Dave Andrews through the recruiting process, the strength and conditioning coach. So I think that in general, Iowa State does take more of a collective approach. So I think that's helped Iowa State. But then I think if you just purely look at the size and the frame of a lot of these guys, it fits what you look for. And what Iowa State has looked for in terms of its prospects, you look at the tight ends. Andrew Keller is six foot six, two hundred and ten pounds. You give him a few years with Dave Andrews in the strength and conditioning program, he'll be able to fill out his body. Gabe Burkle at six foot seven, two hundred forty pounds could develop into someone that has a body closer to Dylan Saner, and even someone. I think that if you're going to use frames as an example, I think you go no further than a Kenny Azelgu, a defensive end, edge player out of Kansas City. He's someone that's six foot six, two hundred fifteen pounds, is a standout basketball player. Um, someone that has a lot of athletic gifts, and he is someone that you could tab to be more like any Wazirike. You know, he's got the size, he has the athleticism, but he's one that again spend time with Dave Andrews in in the weight room, and he'll probably go from being you know six six two fifteen to six six two sixty. You know, he's going to be able to put on a lot of weight because he has such a wiry frame right now and is so athletic that, you know, the, the strength conditioning staff will be able to mold him into kind of their vision for a player. So I think you look up and down this class and there's a lot of guys that have that frame that you can't coach, right? And then building off of that, I think a lot of them are those guys that want to be coached hard. You know, I think Noble Thomas, the cornerback commit for Iowa State out of Florida, put it really simply to me where he said that, he really liked Matt Capone, Iowa State's quarterbacks coach, because he wasn't afraid to tell him how it is. They looked at film together, and Capone wasn't afraid to coach him while he was on his official visit. And that's something that maybe for some players, you know, trying to be coached while you're on an official visit may not be their type of thing. But for Noble Thomas, he loved it. And that was a big deal for him. So I, I think you look, and there are just some certain similarities with this class that I think are encouraging for the Iowa State program that Matt Campbell has routinely said is developmental. So looking ahead now to the class of 2023, Iowa State, you know, sits at 18 commitments in the 2022 class. There might be one, maybe two spots left in that class. I don't see that class spanning more than 20 commitments, um, just based on the pure numbers perspective of you have the extra COVID year for seniors that they can use. 
the staff now can get ahead on the class of 2023. And they started that with the camps early this summer. You know, as I said off the top, that's something that we covered in a previous podcast. But as for some of those 2023 targets, they were able to have a good amount of them on campus for a visit in late July, where there was a one week kind of quiet period where recruits could come on campus, um, see some things. And so Iowa State had a, a visit weekend type of thing where it's unofficial one day guys come on campus, get spend time around the coaching staff. There were a good amount of guys that were on, on campus for that weekend. And so Iowa State now has kind of got to bide their time before that September 1st date when they can begin contacting recruits. Because at the moment, coaches can't reach out to recruits that are just about to start their junior season. Um, right now, the recruits can call coaches and initiate contact that way. But at the moment, the coaches can't be the ones that initiate contact. So that September 1st date will be very big to figure out who Iowa State wants to recruit because they will reach out to the guys that they want to develop relationships with over the next few months. So I think some names to know, obviously, Caden Proctor is a five-star recruit. Um, he plays for Southeast Polk, someone that Iowa State had on for visits twice this summer, one in June and then one in that final week of July. He has offers to play literally everywhere, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, you name a, a top-tier college football program, and chances are really high that they've extended an offer to Caden Proctor. But as for some of the other in-state recruits that um, I'm looking forward to probably seeing on the road here at some point during the fall, during their uh, junior seasons, obviously J.J. Cole, quarterback that plays for Ankeny. Of course, his dad played for Iowa State and kicked for Iowa State. Um, he was one that earned a camp offer. Excited to see him play at some point this fall. Jamison Patton is a uh, someone that plays for Roosevelt in Des Moines. He will be a defensive back target for Iowa State in the class of 2023. He's someone that, again, I'll probably see at some point this fall. And then another one that I'm interested in is Kai Black, a wide receiver out of Urbandale. He's one that Iowa State offered after camp in June, and then they had him back on campus for, for that one-day unofficial visit on July 25th. And he's another one that I think Iowa State's in a good spot with. We'll see kind of how things unfold there. But I do think there's a bigger picture thing here with the class of 2023, particularly when it comes to the state of Iowa. Iowa State's already offered nine in-state recruits in the class of 2023. And you compare that to past cycles, which you think that, you know, these high school recruits right now have two full seasons to play. They have their junior season and then their senior season to play and, and play their way onto the radar of a program like Iowa State. You know, nine offers right now. You look last year in the class of 2022, eight offers were extended to in-state recruits. Then you go back to that loaded 2021 class where Iowa State offered 17 in-state recruits. But outside of that, you're looking at 2020, it was eight. 2019, it was eight. And 2018, it was eight. So you're looking at one of the better in-state classes in Iowa right now, just in terms of the power five caliber players right now. And it'll be interesting to see who plays their way onto Iowa State's radar over the course of the fall. You know, Watts McBride is a defensive back target, you know, an in-state guy that Iowa State had, and they were excited to see him camp. Maybe he's someone that impresses this fall and earns an offer. So I think you're looking at what could be an interesting fall for Iowa State as coaches are, A, able to get back out on the recruiting trail, see prospects in person on Friday nights. It will be interesting to see kind of how Iowa State approaches that because Matt Campbell has been very adamant that, he likes keeping or liked the fact that 2020, you know, his staff members didn't have to go on the road and recruit and really put in a ton of miles on the recruiting trail that a lot of it could be done through Zoom. So we'll have to see kind of how Iowa State approaches that throughout the course of the fall and how often coaches are getting out on the road. 
But I think that's where we'll leave it for the podcast today. Just wanted to kind of recap where Iowa State's at on the class 2022, some interesting things that kind of caught my attention, and then just touch on some of the in-state recruiting in the class of 2023. Um, next week, we'll focus specifically on on preseason camp again, look ahead to Iowa State's 2021 season. Um, but if you like what you heard in the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And if you're not already subscribed on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, go ahead and do that and you'll get alerted and it'll be right in your feeds whenever the podcast gets released. But thank you as always for listening and we will talk to you next week.